I'm Chris Stuchko, co-host of the Ninth Grade Experience Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Today I'm talking with Brian Dean, a UDL innovation specialist at CAST. CAST's mantra is, until learning has no limits. You will be so inspired. Such an incredible talk. Thanks for listening. And by the way, it would be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and uh, left a review. Could you do that for me? That would be so cool. You are awesome. <laughs> Enjoy the show. <laughs> You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. CAST's mission is to transform education design and practice until learning has no limits. Located near Boston, CAST is a nonprofit education research and development organization that created the Universal Design for Learning Framework and UDL guidelines now use the world over to make learning more inclusive. The acronym CAST derives from the original name of our organization, Center for Applied Special Technology. Now we're simply CAST. Our cast of characters includes over 50 talented employees, including world-class educators, learning scientists, instructional designers, literacy experts, policy analysts, UX and graphic designers, software engineers, and a first-rate administrative and executive staff. Cast, until learning has no limits. Today, I will be talking with Brian Dean, UDL Innovation Specialist. Brian Dean is CAST Innovation Specialist. Brian has been working with hard-to-reach students with emotional impairments, conduct disorder, behavioral difficulties, and low interest for more than 20 years. Brian has experience designing professional learning around learner experience design, specially designed instruction, universal design for learning, new teacher induction, design thinking, deep learning, and strategies for students in emotional dysregulation. In addition to the designing of professional learning, he has designed virtual learning environments, worked on longitudinal system implementation and design, designed organizational culture and climate culture change models, and developed a unique UDL coaching system based on appreciative and ontological coaching matrices. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Wow. Uh, hey, Dr. Steve. Uh, that's a, I, I wasn't sure who you were talking about for a minute there, Nuts. to be honest. I usually try to sum it up, brother, by just saying, you know, my name is Brian Dean. I'm into hats, tats, and UDL, man. That's, <laughs> that's usually how I try to get down, but I appreciate the big intro, man. Not a problem. Happy to be here. <laughs> well, glad to have you here. That's pretty cool. And so that also explains your pictures. You get the picture with the the hat on too. So, well, yeah. Let's let's be real honest about that picture, man. I thought maybe that's the reason why y'all hit me up uh, because I'm in a leopard suit and wearing a big in a big fedora. I'm the only one on the staff page that has that. So, I like that. I like that. That's cool. <laughs> Very nice. So, uh, well, cool that you're into hats and so. Do you have a favorite, or is that one your favorite? Oh, that's a great hat that I was wearing. It's, 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 I'm, you know, I don't, this is not a product plug, but it's from a company called Gorham Brothers and uh, it's called Dean the Butcher. That's the name of the hat. My last name being Dean, I was like, I got to find a way to wear that. Uh, but no, I have, I don't know, I got about 120 hats overall. So, uh, you know, uh, so I don't really have a favorite. I just try to put them into rotation. You know, cool. When you don't have much up on top, you know, when you don't have a, <laughs> you don't have a luscious head of hair, you got to find a way to, 
to show up, you know what I mean? And show out. So that's what I did. I understand. Well, it looks cool. <laughs> it looks awesome. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> thanks. That's, that's neat. The, uh, I like the fact that you have them in rotation. You got to determine which one you're going to wear when. So I like, well, that. you know, you got to keep it coordinated, brother. You got to keep it coordinated. Nice. <laughs> So, so Brian, before we get into cast and UDL and such, let's talk a little about you. I read in your bio, Brian has been working with hard-to-reach students with emotional impairments, conduct disorder, behavior difficulties, and low interest for more than 20 years. I mean, what have you liked about working most with kids? Uh, you know, what's really, what really has struck me, you know, I, I you know, David Rose uh, said he's, he's, you know, one of the founders of Cast, and and he said something that really stuck with me, and, and it really it didn't start my career, but but it kind of encapsulated my career. He said that teaching's inherently emotional work, and and I truly believe that, and I truly think that the other thing is that you know we um, we often as educators uh, we find ourselves in our in in what we teach, um, and so you know I spent a lot of time in my youth. Um, I always say that I'm a positive deviant, you know. But in order to be that, I had to, I, I was a deviant way before I became positive, unfortunately. Uh, and so, so I was a student that, that sat in the margins. Uh, I was a student that that experienced uh, resource scarcity, and uh, I lived through poverty. And and uh, you know, I was a student that grew up in Detroit, and uh, I had a a, a, a ambigu- ambiguous uh, racial identity. Um, I was a student that that was was contradictions. I was a student who people often say, "Well, he's he's smart, but he's not a good kid," or he's um, he's not he's not he's not an unintelligent student, but he does, he sure does get in a lot of fights. Or 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 uh, you know, he, if he just spent his time living up to his potential, um, he could be so much more. Um, and those were things that were were told to me as a, as a teacher. So when, or as a student, so when I finally decided to go into teaching, uh, which is its own story, like nothing, nothing I've ever done has ever been, um, traditional. Uh, but, but when I went into teaching, um, I wanted to find students that I could see myself in. And one of the, one of the most beautiful things is, is, is watching students finally realize that, that they're in charge of their learning, you know, and that, and that they have this power and that it's theirs. And, and while everything else in the world may be dictated to them over, over and over again, and, and they might be told that myth that, that they're not really in charge of that, they are in charge of that. And it is a power um, and that they have a right to that best education that they can get. Um, and they can be selfish with their education um, and, and keep it for themselves and do great things with it and then give back to their communities and their, and their, and their world later. So I think that, that those are the things that really kind of touched me. Uh, really make it like this is why I still get up in the morning and, and want to get after this. That is awesome, and kudos to you. That is uh, I appreciate that, man. Uh, that's awesome. The uh, this is, I mean, I'm on. I'm getting ready to start my 36th year in public education, and uh, you know, and it's uh, I've worked with a lot of different kids, and yeah. uh, it's a big deal when uh, um, the world comes into alignment for for them to, right. to figure out how to make it go right. And I think that's 36 awesome. years, man. Congratulations to you. I mean, Thanks. like 36 years, you know, because, because what we do is purpose driven, right? Like what education itself is, it's a, you know, it's a calling and, and, and because it's a calling, it's not really something you can ignore. Right. And right. so like, you're going to find a way to do it one way or another. And, and for you to find it and be in it for 36 years, man, like that's, that's massive kudos to you, man. I got respect for that. That's, I hope to be at that spot. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You course, will. Of course, brother, of course. You will. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, you know, one of the things I got to ask you because of, uh, I must have been reading your mind, man, when I wrote this next question because this <laughs> is something that, you know, in order to work with kids who have many needs, I mean, what would you say is something that the teacher or team members need to help the kids be successful? No, I think it's really, I think the phrasing of this question, because I, I was pondering this over and over again, I really wanted to come across as being like very loquacious and, and really, you know, very erudite in what I had to say. And I'll be honest with you, man, I'm not always known for that. I'm, 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 I'm known to just kind of spit it for real and, and kind of tell it the way it is. And I will tell you, when I was looking at the phrasing in this question, I love that last phrasing of need, need to help the kids be successful. The idea there is help and facilitation. You know, like for a long time in, in education, I think that we've been told that the teacher's job is managing, like manage your students. We even called it classroom management. So manage your students and manage their learning and and manage manage the threats and 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 all these things in the classroom. But it's really not about that, is it? It's really about facilitation, and it's really about how do we help. Um, and to me, I think that one of the biggest things that that educators need to get over is this idea of owning learning. Like we've never, ever owned the learning of another person. And there's no framework in the world. There's no curriculum in the world. And there's no rock star teacher in the world that will ever own the learning of a student. And so that's something that we have to give up. Now, we do have control of a lot of other things. And we do, we are in charge of a lot of other things. We are in charge of the environment in which our students come into. We are in charge of the on-ramps that we design and the engagement that we design for students. But we're not in charge of whether that student is it learns or, or what we're in charge of, of making them learn. If, if somebody had an answer to that, if I had an answer to that, I'd be filling up stadiums. You know what I mean? Like, and, and like we would not have learning crisis in, in any country. We just say, here's the formula. This plus this equals student learning. And it just doesn't work that way. So I think one of the big things is helping students realize that, that they're a stakeholder in their own education. And for a long time, while we may have said that students – are at the center of their learning, they really aren't. They're either victims of, which is unfortunate, or the benefactors of. And we have far more students who are becoming victims of education and victims of their of, of quote unquote their learning than we do um, have stakeholders. And say, how do we how do we really start thinking about students as stakeholders and teachers and educators as stakeholders and in control of the real thing, which is design. You know, how do you design great, great environments and great engagement for students? Oh, that is so cool. It's so powerful. This is, uh, we need to, you've got several billboards right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to put them together, man. I'm, I'm trying to put the, put the, put the calendar together. So just a, a quote a day. Cool. Oh, I'll just well, play it. No, <laughs> just hey, you, you got, we got one right. You got the start of it right there. So uh, I appreciate that. that's powerful <laughs> and awesome. And I, and I agree wholeheartedly with you. You know, we, you know one of the things that uh, we're, you know, where we're driving to is to talk about uh, um, the group that you're part of, which is called CAST. Um, could you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about CAST and its purpose? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, I think it's actually real simple. It's really kind of summed up on the homepage. And it's, I love the phrase, and the phrase has been put into bold, and it's bust the barriers to learning that millions of people experience every day. And that's, that's really it. I mean, at its, at its fundamental root, the one big question that we, that, you know, cast is a plate is, is, is something that started within special education and then kind of moved out to general education. And, and one of the ideas that has kind of stuck with that, that sticks with me is what if we were to ask the question 
of instead of is a student disabled, what if we were to say, if, are there barriers in the curriculum? Is the curriculum disabled in some way when working with students? And, and if we change our focus in that way, what does that free us up to say? You know, I can't change human beings, but I can definitely design for variability of human beings. And I can design, I can design curriculum that fits. And I can design learning experiences that fit and cultural experiences that fit. Um, as opposed to, as opposed to saying what's wrong with the student. What if we start saying, you know, could there be better ways for us to bust barriers and, 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 and address the variability of, of individuals within education? I love that. You know, a couple of years, a bunch of years ago, a couple of years ago, <laughs> um, a bunch of years ago, I had the pleasure of, uh, being invited to come see some new innovations at a interactive board company. I'm not going to name yeah. them, but yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those companies. And, and I had to sign one of those little agreements that said, you will not talk. Now that was enough years ago and everybody is beyond these things now. But at the time it was so innovative um, because they were designing some of those interactive boards so that someone at a wheelchair could manipulate them and, and use them. Um, and so they were thinking like what you're talking about, which is cool. Mm -hmm. They were thinking about the idea that, well, it's nice that they could, you know, the board does all this stuff, but if it, you have to be standing in order to reach it. And right. uh, I, I, oh, right. I hear you. What you're talking about? Barrier. Yeah. Right. And 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 oftentimes, you know, I think that sometimes that that brings this this idea of 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 uh, sometimes it makes it feel as though it's unapproachable. Like you're trying to boil the ocean. You know, if you're trying to solve a problem, um, because well, I don't I don't know what it's like to be in a wheelchair. And I don't have any students in a wheelchair. Or I don't know what it's like to have a student of visual impairment or a student of of, you know, cognitive impairment in my classroom. So I don't know how to design for that. And the question, it really isn't, the question really isn't, let me figure out all of the barriers all at once and, and, and try to build, you know, try to address those. It's really, how do I design something that's flexible enough that those students can come in and then I can come back with innovation in the moment and I can help change those things that, that maybe because I didn't have an experience before, or I didn't understand the experience before. And moreover, how do I start turning some of that power over to students and have them kind of telling me, you know, this is what I need in my design. Like how do, how do students start advocating and, and finding efficacy for themselves, not only in accessibility, but also in like, I don't see myself in this curriculum. You know, it's real hard to be an inner city youth uh, who's grown up in an urban setting and, and read Catcher in the Rye and be like, oh, I totally get it. I totally get a Holden Caulfield. You know what I mean? This, 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 this cat from, from a private school, you know, like, so, so even in that sense, students can start to start to build in and, and, and discuss the barrier and be like, I don't see myself in that. And then we can say, well, but do you see yourself in isolation? Do you, have you felt, have you felt loneliness? Have you felt this theme? That's really what we're going for. And then all of a sudden that is, we don't have, even have to get rid of that book anymore, but we can talk about the themes in a very real way. Like that to me is the essence of what CAST does. It says, how do we give students voice? How do we bust those barriers? How do we find the variability that exists in all of us? Um, and how do we, how do we build, designs that are fluid enough to allow students to see themselves in that and also have see themselves as stakeholders see themselves as as, as co-designers and then how do i how do i act as the main designer you know this is so incredible this is such an incredible discussion because that's awesome i mean you know just um you know just as a just as a note by the way um when i play this uh there might be a lot of school systems going how do i get that guy to um does he want to come teach for me? <laughs> you want to come work with my kids? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, 
I, I, I would love to. I mean, I'd love to help out any way I can. You know, I like to get it where I fit in. We all, I mean, there's nothing but hard work in front of us. And that's cool. I'm down for that hard work. And I think a lot of us are, you know. Oh, that's, that's so just right there. I mean, because it, it is. And you, ha- and you have you have to be thinking in those terms of, I, I just think it's so cool, it's the thought about, you know, they're not broken. We've got barriers that we we can figure out how to pull those down so that they can um, achieve and figure out what that is. And I, I, that's mm-hmm. perfect. Uh, so tell me, who who is Cass trying to get the attention of? Who is their target audience? Uh, you know, I, I think that Cass started out in K-12 primarily, you know, um, and, and kind of addressing those and, and, and really started with a strong foundation around accessibility and what that meant. And still accessibility is still a massive part of what Cass does and, and, um, but its audience has expanded and it's, it's anybody and everybody, right? It's really where anybody experiences barriers to their learning or barriers to their life in any way is, is, you know, the individuals that we want to, that we want to reach out to. So we have, we have, you know, projects that are in uh, higher ed, we have projects that are in early childhood, we have projects that are K-12, we have projects that are just focused on middle school, we have projects that are in the workforce. Uh, we have projects anywhere that, that, that we have individuals learning, which individuals are learning every day, all the time, right? Anywhere that individuals are learning and experiencing barriers to, to that learning um, and, and uh, organizations and, and, and groups want to, school systems want to address variability of humans, like that's, that's where we exist. You know, CAST, I, I feel like CAST, without, without explicitly saying it, but CAST has become really, really a, a, a human-centered design firm in a lot of ways. Where it says, well, how do we how do we build some of the how do we build the best uh, possible interactions, the best possible engagements, the best possible learning experiences and environments for every human being? So I think that they're trying to get to everybody, brother. That's cool. That's cool. I love it. I love it. I, you know, so let's talk about some of these big words that I used earlier um, mm-hmm. in just in describing the stuff that you do. Um, oh boy. <laughs> so. <laughs> So what is universal design for learning? I mean, what is that? Well, you know, universal design for learning is a framework and it's a framework that is backed by, by neuroscience. And it kind of talks about how are the ways that we kind of, how does it, how are the ways that the brain works and how does it process information and then how does it represent information? And so universal design uh, in, in its, you know, uh, in its beginning was really more about architecture and it was, you know, how do you, design really great uh, architecture that everybody can can find avenues uh, and accessibility to. And so Cass took that and said, well, what if we apply that to learning and how do we develop it even further? So it developed a framework uh, and that framework, um, it, it addresses things like accessibility, but it also addresses things like how do we minimize threats and, dis- and distractions to students within a classroom? Um, and threats and distractions, um, you know, it could mean a lot of different things, but, but um, uh, you know, it's how do we take care of that in our classroom? How do we build communities in our classroom? Uh, how do we move students towards um, towards expert learning continuums? Um, not necessarily just being an expert learner, which would, would, would suggest that they know just their, their masters of subject matter. But really, how do we start talking about those residuals of education? So residuals of education, if you were to ask um, uh, a bunch of teachers, and I think that Project Zero, Ron Richard's work, um, kind of did this uh, to a certain extent, so asked a bunch of teachers, said, what do you want students to be? 
And if I ask you, Steve, if I say, brother, what do you want students to walk away from compensatory education with? You know, a lot of things that come up are, are I want them to be a great collaborator. I want them to be a global-minded citizen. I want them to be civically-minded. I want them to be problem solvers. Those things are things that are residual to education. And, and, and um, I think that, you know, CAS works, you know, the framework of UDL helps students uh, build their executive functioning. So how do they plan to do things? How do they, how do they um, build, build plans, enact plans, find resources, represent information, um, find, find intrinsic motivation? And then how do, they, how do they build those residuals of education? How do they become great collaborators with each other? How do they become uh, expert learners, not only of material, but how do I, like the reflection of learning of how do I learn? What's the best situation for me to learn? Um, what do I find interest in? But also, what do I know that I have to pick up, right? Because we can't just learn what we want to learn. So there's some things that sit in front of us that we're like, well, there's a bigger purpose to this. So how do I figure that out? All of those pieces is kind of what the framework works to develop. And it, and it works It works on this really brilliant um, system of, of release, not, you know, of, you know, like the first level is really, again, how, how do we, how do we as educators manage the situations in the classroom? And then how do we start sharing power with our students, having them make some decisions and us make some decisions as educators with them and help guide their, their decision-making. And then the final kind of level is how do we start turning over more of that power and, and saying, you know, what's the decision you make as a student and why do you make it? Like what makes the informed decision as opposed to, it just feels good. I just want to learn this. I just really dig learning about this one thing as opposed to, I think that this will help me in the future by doing this or by learning this or applying this skill. That's, that's kind of, I guess the thumbnail. Cool. I mean, you, you know, yeah, <laughs> there's no. so much more, right? But so that, much more, but like, that's, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do that fire hose to the teacup thing <laughs> and just put too much info out there and get lost in the message, you know? Oh, that's good. Perfect message. Perfect message. Cause it's uh, cause it, you know, it, uh, it just makes you think about a, a lot of different things that uh, what it's all about, and so I, I just uh, no, you did you did awesome. So I gotta I gotta ask you, you know, so now we're gonna get to what you do because you're labeled mm-hmm. as a UDL innovation specialist. So what do you do? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and I, I still try to figure it out, man. Um, you know, I um, you know what I want to back up and I want to say something else about UDL and then I'll dive into the, the title if possible. I think one of the other big takeaways from, from the UDL framework is that we as, you know, we as practitioners in, in education, we have this intuition, we have this gut that tells us this is what's right for students. If you talk to teachers, they're like, yeah, but is that good for students? And that's a beautiful thing. But, we, but what the UDL framework does is it adds intentionality to and it says, why do you, you know, it, it offers the research that says my intuition is correct. But then when my intuition maybe is in question or I'm not sure about it, it adds intentionality to it and says, well, what would I, what would I do not, kind of based on the thoughts of this framework and what, I, what my stomach tells me to do? And it kind of reaffirms that. So I think that, that the intuition and intentionality is a big conversation too. Um, but but uh, as far as what I do as an innovation specialist, I think probably – they they put the they put the edu uh, the edu speak uh, and edu jargon of innovation specialists and what they really meant was, uh, you know Brian is a uh, he's a UDL Swiss Army knife, 
Like I got a bunch of different attachments and I've, you know, I've, I've had a lot of really great experiences in my educational career. And, um, uh, I get to employ a ton of those within, within uh cast. They asked me, you know, like I'm working on a coaching project right now, which I think is really going to be, uh, it's going to be a game changer in some way, you know, in a lot of ways, like a really firm UDL coaching uh, program. Um, we're designing, a, we, you know, I'm helping design the user experience and, and user interface for a, for a platform, a resource platform, which brings individuals together with each other and with groups of other individuals and with resources. Um, and I'm working on a, a Google-driven uh, a graphic organizer, which helps students visualize their analytical thinking. Um, as a, as a, as a tool. So like, I, like I get to do a lot of really cool stuff, man. And uh, they just, they like, they let Brian get in where he fits in. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like, what do you, what, what can you work on? I'm like, you give it to me, I'll, I'll get going. And I get to work with really brilliant people in doing that. So I think that's what, that's why they called it innovation specialist. Cause they can't say Brian Dean, he gets in where he fits in. Um, so, you know, nice, nice. <laughs> So yeah, so so I get to work on a lot of really cool projects, but it's it's pretty. My days are never the same, and it's always it's always a lot of fun. That's cool, and I can and I can. What I what I'm getting from you is that, uh, and you like it that way too. Well, I do, man. I said, you know, I'm 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 an individual with uh, uh, with ADHD, and I know that you know, like that's everybody says that, but uh, if I'm not on my meds, you know. I'm off in a different squirrely world. Um, so, so having days that are different and having days where, where people are like, you know, can you, can you build some online learning or can you build uh, a tool that, 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 that students could use? Or what do you think about this coaching stance or, or coaching model? Like having different days like that is, is the key for me. Um, and so uh, Cass said, well, we can, we can take what you know and we can take this thing that, Back in my back in my school days was a, was you know um, was something that people thought was a weakness or was something that was had to be worked around. And they said we can actually use that. Like let's make that your strength because it's the thing that you live with the most. And so it just kind of gave me some freedom to roll with it. So I've been fortunate, man. I can't complain. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Yes, yeah. that, and I cannot see why you can't complain because that that allows you to that freedom to be within that world and. Uh, and right. do the good stuff. So, well, and it's such a strong validation, you know, for a long time, that was a weakness, right? That was a thing I had to explain to people, right? Like I had to say, well, you know, I'm sorry if I step on you in a conversation, uh, it's my ADHD, or I'm sorry that I'm thinking about five other things. That's my ADHD or it's, you know, it's whatever. And, and I think that, you know, before I went into school, that, that wasn't the case. I didn't know I had that. Right. Just like any student, I've never known a student that that enters in kindergarten and says, "Well, you know, I have a learning disability," or 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 uh, you know, uh, you know, I have I have emotional dysregulation. By the time they're in sixth grade, though, it's one of the defining characteristics of them. They say, "Well, you know, I am a student. You know, I'm a student that has learning disabilities, so this is a little more difficult." Well, cast they put their money where their mouth is when they hired me, and they were like, "Look, man, that's a strength. We see that as a strength. Roll with it. Run with it." That's that's a huge validation. That is, oh my gosh, yeah. that's that's amazing. Yeah. That's cool, and uh, especially because you're, you're getting to, uh, you know, explain the way you think and yeah. uh, and uh, and go about it that way, and and that's going to be because you talk about helping pull barriers down. I mean, it it's you know giving you that that voice is that's cool. So yeah, 
Yeah, awesome. so I think they tagged the line on there of innovation specialists because, you know, they're a re- you know they're they're a research house and a bunch of other things. So they gotta they gotta make it sound official. But really, th- what they've done is they've said, "Yo, let you you go ahead and, and and play down in the lab and tell us what you come up with, man." I'm like, cool, I'll do it. That's cool, yeah. and that would sound really cool on a business card too. By the way, that would, right? It's I know. Good. Play in the lab and do it. <laughs> I like that. Play in the lab and I do what I do. Nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, very cool, Brian. I, so, yeah. so one of the things that I was spending some time learning a little bit about was UDL guidelines, and mm-hmm. it was explaining those. And I was just wondering if you could give us just a little picture of what the what that's all about. Yeah. So the so the UDL UDL guidelines are kind of alluded to before. There, there's there's there um, the set by which the UDL framework kind of is um, and exists, and uh, they they fall into three uh, major areas. Um, uh, and uh, the first area is uh, you know multiple means of engagement, um, and that's you know how do how do we how do we offer opportunities for students to find engagement within the curriculum and within their learning and offer opportunities to to help them find re-engagement. So what I like about that is that, you know, another great educational myth is that teachers are in charge of engagement through the entirety of a task. Well, I gotta be honest with you, you you know, like this has been fun for me and and I've listened to your other podcasts and I find them engaging, but there are times that I will be honest with you, I'm thinking about what I gotta buy at the store. You know what I mean? <laughs> because that's just us as human beings. Like we will find a way to disengage. That's a natural thing that happens. And so really by putting in that second idea of like helping students find other avenues to re-engage, we would, we're naturally, we're, we're acknowledging the natural tendency for us to disengage and say, that's okay. It's not something to be afraid of anymore. It's something that we need to address and we can design for, but it's not something to be afraid of. Like students will engage and re-engage over time. So that's the first kind of set of set of like one level of the guidelines or one area of the guidelines, I should say, is, you know, multiple means of education. Then there's multiple means of representation. And that's how do we represent information to students? Do, do Does that, you know, some of that has to do with accessibility. Do we have you know, do we have captioning? Do we have audio description? Do we have, you know, uh, alt text? But also, um, you know, do we have multiple ways for students to either read or, or, or watch something or listen to something? Or um, do we have, you know, alternative sources for them to, to, to engage with? Um, it puts away the notion that we can just plop down a packet in front of students and say, this is all the information that you'll ever need. And it's through one modality. And like, it's your job to figure out how to make that make sense to you, right? Um, and then the other question is, the, the other area is multiple areas of, of representation, or I'm sorry, of uh, action and expression. And that's how do students represent their information back to us? And as educators, how they show what they know. And then really the bigger question of what is it that we're asking them to show and know? You know, so then by mixing those three areas and kind of thinking about them, the idea is to build engaging classrooms where we, we kind of challenge some questions of like, do we need to give the students all of the odd problems when we give them math assignment? Or do we need to hit some specifics? Or can we ask students, can we ask students which ones that they've had the most difficulty with? Like, how do we buy into this idea of a flipped classroom um, and have students making some comments on like, this is what I really need, you know, yo, Mr. Dean, this is what I really need to know. I'm having, I'm struggling with this. Can you spend the class hour talking about this? As opposed to here's my scripted, my scripted 
lesson on polynomials or whatever it may be. Um, here's my scripted, you know, here's my scripted, um, uh, you know, lesson on the globe theater, <laughs> you know, as opposed to what is the, what is the human element of Romeo and Juliet, you know, like asking students to have their input by, by looking at those frame, by looking at those guidelines. Um, and within those guidelines, there's a bunch of different points and not check the, you know, there's a misconception when we, when people look at the guidelines, they say, well, this looks like a, a, a group of checklists. It's not a checklist. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, there are points that are there for sure um, to kind of focus, focus us and, and say, are we minimizing threats and distractions? Are we, are we offering multiple opportunities uh, for engagement? Are we, you know, uh, having students decide and make plans? Are we doing these things? But there's really more questions along those guidelines. And you can find out more about those guidelines, uh, you know, by, by going to the CAS website, which is just cas.org. Um, and, and they, you know, the website does a much better job than I do uh, of, of kind of encapsulating it and, 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 um, and speaking about it in this, you know, in a succinct way. There's also a lot of, a lot of practical, um, practical kind of uh, uh, examples for your classroom. You know, do I offer, how do I offer choice? You know, as opposed, you know, do I just give them a menu or do I, you know, create a, a tic-tac-toe kind of menu? Do I create a, you know, so there's lots of different pieces on cast.org to, to work with, the, to kind of engage with those guidelines. That's excellent. And uh, I think you did a fantastic job of explaining them. Oh, so, I appreciate that, so, man. So thank you. And, uh, um, yeah, one of the things I, I like on the website is where they have the actual pictures. They have the brain mm -hmm. pictures and they're talking about yeah. them. And, which is really cool. So, but I think you did a great job of explaining them. And, I, and what it brings me to is that I want to ask this, I mean, how does a school or school system or even teacher get assistance for their, you know, for their organization from CAST? I mean, how do they engage CAST to help them do what they're doing? Well, I'll tell you, there's a couple of different avenues. Now, if you, you know, if you want to, CAST will do it, offers professional learning services that go from a one day, like here's the UDL 101 kickoff, Let's, you know, let's get in it. Let's, you know, this is what we can get excited about all the way to like what they're doing with New Hampshire schools right now, which is a multi-year, multi-level, uh, state-level implementation series. So CAS can do, can do any of those things within that in their professional learning. But beyond that, there's, uh, you know, we have technical assistance for accessibility. We have um, uh, institutes and online courses that you can get involved in. There's webinars you can check out that are free. There's, um, you know, uh, there are online tools. So like some of the tools uh, that, that I've been working on are free. Like our, our Corgi, it's called Corgi. It's absolutely free. There are other tools um, that are online for, for students, for them, for reading or for, for STEM or for a bunch of different things. Um, they're all the free, they're all free and they're, and they're on the website. Uh, there's tons of learning resources. There's also um, Learning Designed, uh, learningdesign.org, which is um, a platform that has a ton of other UDL resources that don't just come from CAS, but come from um, the kind of the UDL community, the UDL family, as I like to call them. Uh, the UDL fam uh, puts out a ton of resources and you put them up on there and you can join with a free account and you can dive in and find some resources there and find webinars and I mean, we, we get in any way that we can, man. It's, uh, it's true guerrilla gorilla resourcing. We hit where we can and we, we do it for as little, you know, as little cost as we can. 
That is excellent. I appreciate it. And uh, and and so now I got to get you to to go into the world of speaking to people. Uh, if you had the opportunity, sure, you know, if you had the opportunity to give the keynote speech to an audience of school and school system administrators, what is something that you would want them to remember about Cast? Hmm. About Cast, I mean, I might have to hit that on the back end a little bit, Doc, uh, because I think one of the big things, the biggest message that I'd want to get get through to school administrators uh, and, 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 and educators is that you stakeholders and we need to be risen to stakeholders again. Um, uh, it, it, what is happening in compensatory education in the United States is that systems have worked to perpetuate themselves. Um, and whenever we talk about failing systems, we inevitably start talking about failing individuals. And I don't think those things are synonymous. Um, and what I would say to school administrators and what I would say to school personnel in general is that the work that you're doing is hard work. It is very hard work and there's nothing but hard work in front of you and your kids need you and understand that the system may have its issues and it may be broken in some places and it may be, it may be inept in some places, but that does not mean that that's you. That means that that's the system. Um, and that, that while you, you know, we are seeing teachers leave, Steve, education in droves, man. And that's, that's before the pandemic, we were looking at it and we were like, general ed teachers last, on average in our country, in the United States, will last four to six years. Special education teachers last about one year, one to, one to three years. If you, work in a, if you work in a particularly high volume, like emotional dysregulation or students with emotional impairment or adjudication, something like that. You're talking about 18 months. That was before the pandemic. And now after the pandemic, we're seeing them leave in even bigger droves. That is not, that is not, that is not indicative of teachers not being able to hack it or, or administrators not being able to hack it. That's indicative of systemic problems. And when we talk about it, anytime I work with teachers, I work with administrators, I say that CAS is not here to condemn you, right? I'm not here to condemn you. We're here to work on it. We know that you got the love and you got the passion. Like you can't do this job for summers off. Like you just, you just can't, man. You know, you've been in this game 36 years. You know that you can't just do this. Just, just, just so that you get like, you know, six weeks off at a time or whatever, 12 weeks off. You can't, it's because your heart burns for it. And it's, and so, so Cass knows that. And I know that. And so the first thing I would say is let's fix some systems. CAS will help you fix that system. The system of uh, the system of this kind of like factory, right? Where we move students from learning to learning to learning, um, that needs to be that needs to be worked on. We got some solutions to help you with that. How to re envision that? How to innovate within that? Um, how to bring back the passion and love you have for teaching that you first felt when you would stay at stay at work until nine o'clock at night and then come back in at six, you know? Because you were just you were just starting out, we can help you find out again. I guess maybe that's the roundabout what I would say. That's cool. I got to tell you right now, um, I'm getting goosebumps because you may have just recruited me back into the classroom, man. We got all right, uh, brother. <laughs> this is cool because right. that's because you've hit all. I mean, that's exactly what it's all about, and is right? making it possible for the kids. And people forget that so often, yeah. and, and sometimes yeah. we get so caught up in what numbers say as opposed to what is it that's making the kid tick that might be the thing that we can connect with that will help them 
mm-hmm. see where the path is that they need to follow or whatever. And I, I love that. saying to them, show me, you know, I might not know. I don't, I, you know, like I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not that hip a dude. So like, show me what's exciting. And when, when students do that, then of course I get fired up. You know what I mean? And then when I get fired up, I say, well, that's cool, but look at this thing. And then they get fired up and it's like, it's synergistic. I know that that word gets thrown around a lot, but it is, man. It's like, it's all of a sudden becomes this exponential energy that is just beautiful, you know? And uh, I think that that's to me, like that's the residual of UDL. Like that's one of the leftovers of UDL is that really are talking about how to turn people onto their learning. That is so awesome. I can't thank you enough. I, Brian, if someone wanted to know more about you and what you do and cast, where would you send them? Well, obviously, go to cast.org, check it out, learningdesign.org, check that out. Um, you know, man, I, I got to be honest, I used to have a bigger social media presence than I do now. Social media has become a little bit toxic, in my opinion, and, and, and so I've, I've tried to keep that out of my life a little bit. Um, but you can find me, I have a once in a while, I post up on uh, at Detour uh, UDL on Twitter. Um, and uh, if, you, if you are into Twitter chats, I used to I used to be a facilitator for a really great Twitter chat that's still going on, and that's hashtag UDL chat. Um, I would check that out. It happens every first and third Wednesday, um, uh, you know. And just I mean, I would just the UDL community is a really, really beautiful community, man. Like it is a really open armed, sit down with brilliant people and just kind of find your own brilliance, right? Like the, the strong belief in the UDL fam, at least the, the feeling that I have had is that when people say, you know, often people say all the answers are in the room. I really feel that, that the UDL community embodies that and says, look, we have the answers. We just need to get the right people. You know, we just all need to get around and talk about it. And if you're an administrator or you're a professor or you're a teacher or you're a parapro or you're a parent or you're a student, let's all chat and let's all figure it out. And let's, you know, let's find some answers to this thing. Um, so, so I would, I would try to tap into the UDL, UDL fam and the UDL community um, in those, in those ways. And you'll probably find a million more. Definitely. Excellent. Now I'll put that, those links in the, the different uh, thoughts there in the show notes so that people can find them. And I, and I, that's cool. I, that would be awesome to have a, a, a twit, a Twitter chat with you. Um, yeah. There's some brilliant people, yo, some really brilliant people, people that I'm like, wow, you blowing my mind, you know, like, and it's, and it's because they're so approachable too. They'll be like, yeah, so go ahead and hit me up afterwards if you want to talk some more. And you're like, what? It's, it's really a beautiful community. Excellent. Excellent. I got, I got two more questions for you, Brian. And they, right have on, no, brother. they have nothing to do with anything that we've been talking about. It's just thoughts that I have. And hey, no problem, man. the first one goes like this. When, when so much is going on that you become overwhelmed, what stops you from quitting? Hmm. I mean, I've been there, man. I've, I've been down that road where I've thought about it. And, you know, like, I, I guess like the official, like one of the official terms is a trough of disillusionment. You know, like you hit this, you've, you've, you've been in this high point where like, yeah, I really believe in this thing. And then something doesn't pan out and you've fallen to the trough of disillusionment. But I just know that we got a purpose, man. I know that we got a, we got a job that needs to be done ahead of us. And, and, and I can't, I can't quit on something that is so pivotal and so, so, so massive as education and, 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 you know, working with, working with youth, 
I mean, we, we, we discover new things every day and we find new ways to address it. And like, I even when I, I always hold this, like it took a pandemic to show us that we could feed every kid in school. But at least now we can see that we can feed every kid in school. There's no reason that a kid who doesn't have enough money in their lunch account has to get stale piece of bread with a moldy piece of government cheese, right? Like they can get real food. That's something that's great and brilliant that came out of a pandemic. You know, we found out that some kids actually are doing really well on online that were not doing well in person. That that is something that even in that in that height of of being overwhelmed or that height of of I just can't do this, that that is a is an answer to 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 a way of thinking that now we can't ignore. I think that I find I find solace and I find uh, I find uh, confirmation and things like that that happen, um, and it makes me understand that the purpose I have in this in this world in this career is to build those better systems and find those answers or help find those answers, you know, not to put it all on me because I don't want to be like that, but, but to help find those answers. So I guess it's just passion, man. I just passion drives through, you know? I love that. I, I really do. And, uh, and thank you for sharing that. I, I, last question goes like this. Uh, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference with you? If so, if given the chance to say thank you, what would you say? Yeah, you know, man, this one was hard for me. Um, and I don't know if maybe it's it's my own issues or whatever, but I don't have a teacher that made a difference in a way that was like, I see you and I believe in you. I had teachers that made a difference in me that said, I don't want to be that. Like if I go into education, I want to help kids not find that teacher. Now that might be, I, 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 you know, I also don't want to put it on those people and say it was their fault. Um, if I had something to say to that group of teachers, I'd say thank you. I would say thank you because they, they taught me I, I wanted to see I wanted to see education in a different way and it gave me a purpose to say, look, there are plenty of kids out there like me who are smart but have grown up in trauma or who are who are who who get in trouble but they still have a good heart, you know, that that just haven't haven't found the guidance that they need. So I want to tell them thank you because because you, you kind of pushed me to do that and find my own kind of like my own internal resilience, um, and 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 I guess you know I have to spend some time and reflect on why is it that I can't name one that was like I see you Brian, you know, um, but but it's driven me to say to students I see you, um, I see where you're at, I see who you are, and I might not know all of it, uh, but I'm willing to listen to all of it if you if you're willing to tell me. That is so powerful. Brian, it's been great talking with you. Thanks for talking with us about Cast UDL and working with kids. You have, I mean, you have, you're so inspirational, and uh, the message that you're delivering is powerful. And I, I greatly appreciate this time you spent with me, and uh, wish you the best in all you do. Brother, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate being called up on this and and uh, sitting and having this rap session with you, man. It's been a great time. You put on a cool shit, dig, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Teaching, learning, leading K twelve is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. 
Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. Thank you.